Today on Ag News Daily. Why did I write this? Because at the time, I thought I was probably the only one in the universe dealing with a situation like this. I think we see a lot of depictions of rural America as kind of this glamorous country song that isn't necessarily the realistic expectation. Good afternoon. Well, good midday, I should say, here on the Ag News Daily Podcast listeners. My name is Delaney Howell, flying solo for today's podcast episode. It's hopefully hitting the links here this afternoon, golfing, and don't know if he's going to get a full round of 18 in because we're going to see probably some scattered showers here across the Midwest and central Iowa. But as we look at Weather here over the next couple of days into the weekend, starting to see some low pressure center around Colorado into Kansas. That's going to begin to slowly move east. So for the next three days or so, Eric Snodgrass is forecasting, we're going to likely see some strong and severe wind weather. I almost said winter storms, but weather storms here with local heavy rain that could hit most of the Midwest. So that's kind of the quick weather update here as we head into the weekend, but we've got a lot of big headlines here to cover today, listeners, so let's dive right in. I think a great place to start here, two big headlines for today. One is WASD, the other is California's Prop 12. So let's go ahead and begin here with the U.S. Supreme Court's announcement yesterday that they are going to preserve the California law banning the sale of pork in America's most populous state if those pigs were raised in tightly confined spaces. The Supreme Court justices voted to uphold that with a 5-4 to four vote after the lower courts had pushed it all the way through to the Supreme Court here by a lawsuit of the National Pork Producers Council and the American Farm Bureau Federation seeking to invalidate the law where they were divided in their reasons for doing so. Reached out right away to NPPC for comment, and unfortunately they're not taking interviews yet at this time, but they did share a comment here from their NPPC president and Missouri pork producer Scott Hayes. He said, quote, We are very disappointed with the Supreme Court's opinion. Allowing state overreach will increase prices for consumers and drive small farms out of business, leading to more consolidation. We are still evaluating the court's full opinion to understand all of the implications. NPPC will continue to fight for our nation's pork farmers and American families against misguided regulations. So that's the only comment that they are offering as of now. But this is, of course, a big blow here to the pork industry. In other news... Before we get into, like I said, WASD report numbers for today, let's hit a little bit of headlines here from the industry first. As far as some supply chain challenges that are looming, the pandemic may no longer be an imminent issue for manufacturing and machinery industry, but they're saying the supply chain is still a ways off from recovery. As we know, microchips were one of the major bottlenecks during the pandemic. And according to Kurt Blades, the senior vice president for agriculture and agriculture services and forestry at the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, he said those were a big problem in the pandemic and mostly due to supply chain issues. He said plastics are still hard to come by with rubber, especially rubber tracks, almost non-existent right now. 
Most of the wire harnesses issues that are used in off-road equipment are manufactured in Ukraine, of all places, which obviously has been disrupted by the war. But as far as other impacts here for the mechanical and manufacturing industry, he said the other key issue was labor shortages. So while we are starting to see the supply chain recover, we're not having enough people to fill the seats for full production capacity. And so as we look at farm and tractor sales, that's a good segue here into my next story, looking at farm tractor sales for 2023. According to the April 2023 Ag Tractor and Combine Report, a monthly narrative of preliminary retail sales published by the AEM, small tractors less than 40 horsepowers, about 40 to 100 horsepowers, continue as they have for many months here, to be one of the top drivers of new sales. These units were definitely the bright spot during the COVID-19 pandemic as small landowners set up home offices and were able to work their lawns and work their small acreages uh, more than what they probably were pre-pandemic. But for April 2023 compared to April 2022, sales of less than 40 HP tractors are down 20%, which is a difference of about 3,500 units. So we are starting to see the trend there for pre-pandemic sales of smaller horsepower tractors is certainly down compared to pre-pandemic and pandemic levels. The other big story here is that commercial farmers seem intent on investing in commercial size tractors and combines, and those are sales of 100 horsepower equipment or more. Those sales were up about 5% in April 2023 compared to April 2022, and that was a pretty typical month. We saw in January through April, the industry sold about 5% more during that time than the year prior, and so that's kind of the big headlines here. Our smaller equipment starting to come back down in sales, and those larger pieces of equipment are continuing to be a big driver of new equipment sales. Mixed signals are coming out of Russia today regarding the possible extension of the Ukraine Grain Initiative. Russian news agency TASS, or TASS, reported earlier that its sources suggest a 60-day extension will likely be announced today. No news yet here as the midday rolls in, but this contradicts comments coming from the Kremlin, which continue to play hardball here, suggesting that no deal will be reached. So a little bit of surprising news here. But hopefully we see some sort of update here before the end of the day as we head into the holiday weekend. And that alone has added a little bit of excitement to the grain markets. Of course, WASD also has added some excitement here, which we'll get to in just a moment. But another quick headline here on the news front that could play an impact in the commodity markets. South America. Safrina corn is continuing to dry out in Brazil as they are trying to get through the second corn crop season. Brazil had a tough go at planting time due to wetness, but since then, the ground has been in fairly good conditions. Wet season showers have ended as they typically do, allowing most of the crop in Brazil's states of Mato Grosso and Goiás to get into or through reproduction before the rains really shut things down. As we look further south of Mato Grosso do Sul and Paraná, wetness remains a large concern. And we're going to start to see here soon what is going to be coming out of those fields 
for corn production, but corn production in Brazil is forecasted by USDA to reach about 125 million metric tons. That was as of April. The May WASD report today reflected some different numbers, with the production now being pegged at 130 million metric tons. So up here from the April forecast, so that Brazilian corn crop and Argentinian, or excuse me, Brazilian corn crop and soybean crop are continuing to get larger. So without further ado, let's dig in here to today's WASDE report numbers and look at some of the quick headlines that came out from today's report. We already looked there a little bit at South American production. So here in the U.S. production numbers that were clocking in here, new crop ending stocks projected to be 355 million bushels compared to 215 million that traders were expecting. As far as all wheat production from the USDA, that came in at 1.659 billion bushels, up from 1.65 billion bushels this year, despite the big increase in acres. And this is below trade expectations, which pushed Kansas City wheat up pretty significantly here after the report was dropped, up 55 cents following the release of the report. New crop wheat Ending stocks are pegged at 556 million bushels, down compared to the 598 number touted last year, and well below trade expectations, which came in at 602 million bushels. As I mentioned, they raised the total corn production by 5 million metric tons, and they raised soybean production up by just 1 million metric tons. So that Brazilian monstrous soybean crop is continuing to get bigger, but not significantly bigger. Because of that increase, however, in South American production, the USDA did cut old crop corn exports by about 75 million bushels and new crop exports by 300 million bushels, as they're suggesting that there's just too much corn coming from South America for the U.S. to really have a good foothold in the marketplace. USDA also boosted new crop corn feed usage here domestically by about 375 million bushels, despite the shortfall that we've seen in the cattle markets and the cattle on feed numbers. USDA sounds like they've had some pretty aggressive cuts here overall across the board on those numbers, but let's take a quick look here at the soybean side of the balance sheet as well for the U.S. Early production numbers as of today came in at 122 million metric tons of U.S. soy for this growing season. As I mentioned there, we already saw some numbers coming in from Brazil and Argentina with some adjusted numbers there. Argentina specifically also saw a cut to their soybean production for the 23-24 growing season, coming in at just 48 million metric tons for the Argentinian crop. I think as far as other big headlines go, those are a good chunk of the most important ones that we saw on the WASD report here today. But the markets certainly are reacting pretty heavily to today's WASD report, especially the wheat markets in particular. Taking a look here at the midday, the July corn contract is unchanged at 582. Dece new crop corn shed 5 cents here at the midday, is currently trading at 508 and a half. In the soybean pits, the July contract at midday is down seven pennies at thirteen ninety-eight and three quarters. November new crop beans down seventeen and a half cents at twelve thirty and a half. 
Hard red winter wheat is up 40 cents at 8.81 and three quarters. And as we take a look over here at the livestock markets to see how they're reacting to the increased potential feed costs, that does not seem to be phasing the cattle complex today. June live cattle up a buck 62 and a half at a dollar 64.55. August feeders are currently two dollars 70 cents higher on the board at 2.2880. And June lean hogs are lower today, down about 30 to 35 cents on the board in the June contract at 83.55. This weekend is Mother's Day. And you know, usually that is a pretty chipper and cheery time for folks celebrating their moms. But for Travis Carlson, Mother's Day has proved to be a challenging time in the past when he was faced with dealing with some complex issues with mental health related to his mother's overall well-being. So we're going to turn it over to this conversation today with Travis Carlson, who has put together a new film called Mother's Day. Listeners, what a fun Friday interview that we've got today. I don't know if I've ever been a part of one like this on the Ag News Daily podcast before, so I'm excited to introduce Travis Carlson. And he's here to talk a little bit about some life experiences as well as a really fun project that they've completed around a film called Mother's Day. So Delaney, I don't know if we've ever had a film writer on, but welcome to the podcast, Travis. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Let's start off first with uh, an introduction about who you are and what your tie to agriculture is. Absolutely. Um, so currently I am a filmmaker, which means I, um, I generally write and direct. I also edit and produce movies. Um, I'm in the kind of the Buffalo, New York area, uh, near Niagara Falls, for those who don't know it on the map. And uh, I grew up in a town of about a thousand people and uh, born and raised there. So uh, the story that uh, Mother's Day takes place is set in in that town and actually in the actual house that the events took place in. So we were very, very true to life in that sense. Yeah, so I think a lot of our listeners probably can resonate with growing up in a really small town in a rural area and not having access to healthcare, to maybe a grocery store or any sort of a shopping mall or a center like that. So not uncommon for folks growing up in rural America, but your experience was definitely maybe a little different than some that others have that are listening to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about the backstory of why you decided to take your own personal story, be very vulnerable and turn it into this feature Mother's Day. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the the situation that the, so I guess real quick, I'll just say that the movie is, uh, follows um, a son, which is sort of, uh, I guess, my character. Um, I'm not an actor in this, but um, it takes the story of the son. He He just visits his mother on Mother's Day and she's got a lot of life-changing um, decisions that have just happened. She's kind of breaking the news to him um, one after another. And it's kind of becoming a uh, precarious situation. He's a little nervous at first and then starts to realize she's made some really tough and potentially dangerous decisions really quickly. Um, and as he will come to find out, like his mother is transitioning from someone who's sort of stable to someone who would certainly be considered to have a mental illness. And to answer your question, why did I write this? Because at the time, I thought I was probably the only one in the universe dealing with a situation like this. And um, after making the film, I realized, well, geez, no, a lot of people are 
um, going through and have loved ones who are going through some extremely um, complicated and what we might consider um, extreme situations, um, but they might not be as extreme as we think. Um, a lot of our neighbors and in small towns, big towns are all um, dealing with a very complex life. And I thought that needs to kind of be shared to help break down that barrier that, uh, you know, we have that in small towns that you got to kind of keep your own business to yourself. And that maybe some of, some of this mental illness stuff is a weakness. I don't buy that at all. I think, I think it is absolutely something that just like everyone coming together for um, an agricultural situation or a crisis or a natural disaster, I don't see it any different. You know, we all kind of need to band together and help help raise everybody up. So that's why I set out to do it. What a timely conversation with May being Mental Health and Mental Illness Awareness Month mm -hmm. and Mother's Day being right around the corner as far as this discussion goes, but you're right. You know, it's a, a long time been referenced that small town living is the simple way of life. And it's not always that simple, right? Absolutely. I think any time that uh, you've got a human involved, it's not going to be simple at all. Um, and as you alluded to, there's some real challenges that, um, you know, people who are spread out and less dense, you know, naturally the cost of a lot of uh, services go up and access to it goes up. I know, you know, we had to drive a half hour to get to the grocery store and, you know, you, that's, that's only exacerbated if you need to go see a doctor or do some checkups or uh, yeah, even just checking in on your neighbors on a daily basis. You know, my mom wasn't, um, you know, just wasn't in touch with enough people. And I also think, there might not be enough comfort in 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 her environment to make her feel like you know it's okay to sort of bear all there and uh and yet it is there as long as we ask for it and i think that's what i've noticed once the film is out um you know the the community is there and they do agree they just sometimes need someone else to talk first and say look you know this happens in almost every family don't don't worry about that and i'm glad to see it because this happens in mine and and maybe we can start to share some of those resources that are out there and help people get get health healthier quicker. Travis, this is obviously was very vulnerable for you to write this and put yourself in this situation. But I also can't help but think about your mom and the vulnerable vulnerable position that it put her in as well. How did that conversation go when you decided you wanted to write this and include her as a part of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my mom was the first person I called after uh, putting this on paper. And we had a really good talk and really this was the first time that she and I talked about this, this day that it happened and we just kind of put it behind us. And, um, so that's, that's, uh, the first value in, um, starting to talk is in your own circle is, uh, making sure that you go over some of these life-changing things. You know, you don't need an excuse. You don't need the other person to go first to, uh, to kind of rehash, you know, Hey, I know a couple of years ago we had this situation. So that was really good in itself. Um, and then the step beyond that is uh, she had the same mission that I think we ended up having together, which is that, you know, if this can help some people who feel like they might be the only ones um, with sort of some eccentric behavior, or some erratic behavior or something they don't understand, um, small town or big town, it doesn't matter. You know, we we probably are all going through it and there are resources to help and no reason not to do it, you know, just like if you get a broken arm, you know, it's good to go to the hospital and get it checked on. 
it's interesting as we get to interview a lot of folks in agriculture and when you combine you know the the professions that we're both in and the other podcasts that we each host that you realize one of the nation's largest wealth transfers is about to happen and the stress that money puts on conversations like this as well as you look at potential projects in the future do you feel like something around with ag as a key in the background would be uh, important to work on? Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the reasons we, we depicted the, the town that I grew up in with a lot of reality. Um, we, we made honesty the heart of this because I think we see a lot of depictions of rural America as kind of this glamorous country song that isn't necessarily the realistic expectation that we all see. And, um, and that always bothered me growing up, you know, when I saw that, you know, the few, very, very few times that agriculture, rural settings, you know, middle America, we might say, which I think is a little offensive, but um, the, that it's, that it's just sort of this parody of itself. Um, I think that's nice and it does exist, but I always felt like I didn't really see, um, you know, people like me and my friends, you know, and the way we had fun and the way we experienced life. So I thought, hey, for my first film project, I'm going to represent it that way. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what you were asking, but um, I was inspired that way. So if not, you can follow up. But yeah. No, I think you did good. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm just really impressed with the focus and dedication that you've had on this project because it's not easy. And I feel like rural America in particular, the statistics are there, you know, the uh article that you guys shared ahead of a webinar that you recently had talking about this project said that in rural America, suicide rates alone are 64 to 68% higher compared to those folks living in urban areas for a variety of reasons, I'm sure. But I think it's important that we continue to have these tough conversations. And so Travis, I think maybe a good place to end would be you mentioned some resources and ways that you've started to have these conversations with folks like your mom how do you approach that subject and what are some resources for people either dealing with it or have loved ones dealing with it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, some of the things, and again, I did not know this when I was 25 and I'm 30 now. I mean, I only just found it out, but, um, one of the, the first things I'll say is if, if you want to talk to somebody or you are in a, you know, a suicide situation, they have a new, uh, suicide hotline number. So anyone with a cell phone at any, any hour, any day, it's nine, eight, eight, sort of like nine, one, one, but nine, eight, eight now. Um, so that can be called at any point and you don't have to feel, I remember feeling a little nervous. Like, I don't know if my situation's bad enough. Um, but they've assured me that's not true at all. You know, they're, they're there and they can be a starting point. So nine, eight, eight is a great number to call. Um, and then, there's uh, groups like uh, Rural Minds is doing a lot of excellent work. Um, I know uh, our, our, I live in New York. We have an organization called New York FarmNet, which is an excellent resource for certainly mental health situations, but also they provide um, you know, resources and advice about all types of agriculture situations. You know, just It could be in management, it could be in business, it could be in uh, mental health or physical health. Um, so there, there could be equivalent uh, organizations in your state, depending on where you're listening from. And then the other group that comes to mind is called NAMI, which is N-A-M-I, which stands for National Alliance of Mental Illness. I 
believe. And they do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I would say that's a great place or a great website to start with, to uh, start finding resources. Um, potentially a lot of tele telemedicine came out of COVID. And I know that broadband internet is a challenge, even in, in my dad's house, who still lives in, in Gary, New York. Um, but that's a great way to uh, get access to uh, some of the support without needing to drive all the way to your, your capital city. So um, some things to look at, you know, and just don't be afraid. That's the biggest thing. Talk to your neighbors, um, listen, don't be afraid to, uh, to show a little bit of, uh, show a little bit of vulnerability. Um, Cause that's, that's bravery right there. And that's going to help others. So yeah, I think lead by example and, and help your neighbors out. That's great. And for our listeners that want to check out Mother's Day, what's the best place for them to look that up? Absolutely. That's uh, that's on our website, which is called uh, panamericanfilms.com. Um, we can potentially link that in the show notes, but uh, panamericanfilms.com. It's streaming anytime you'd like to watch it. Um, it would be, gr be great to share it with you. Awesome. We appreciate you taking the time today to share your story and give our listeners some great resources. Thank you. It's been amazing. Thank you. Well, we certainly appreciate Travis coming on here and being really vulnerable with us and our listeners today. That is certainly not an easy topic to talk about, but definitely an important one. So make sure and give your mom an extra big squeeze this weekend on Mother's Day if you can and tell her how much you appreciate all she has done, especially if you grew up on a farm and your mom was there and actively involved in the farm. That can be really tough on, on the females involved in the operation as well, but with that, listeners, we have another great week of content planned for you all next week, so be sure to stay tuned. Otherwise, you can follow along with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. Daily.